Welcome to another edition of De Stefano Talks. On today's episode, I sat down with Connor Carberry to discuss his battle with mental health. Connor contacted me back in January via Instagram to see if he would be able to come onto the podcast to be able to tell his story to all of you. Now, mental health is something that's pretty close to my heart because, as you may know, it's something that I've suffered with for a long time. Not only that, I have family members that have also suffered from it, so I know just how it affects people firsthand. As well as into in-depth detail in regards to Connor's story, we also discuss the positive and negative aspects of social media, the impact of lockdown due to the global pandemic, the lack of football because of the global pandemic, plus much, much more. This is De Stefano Talks, episode number five with Connor Carberry. How are you doing anyway, Connor, with you know the current situation we're in lockdown just now? How are you faring with that? I think we're all starting. I wouldn't say getting used to it, but we've kind of we've found our routines that we can, you know, kind of go about our day to day stuff. Um, at the start, it was quite difficult. Obviously, um, for the first week or two, I was still working. Obviously, working from home in my new job, and then, and then about, I think about two, two to three weeks after working from home. I think it was the kind of the process where you're, you know, drinking too much, eating too much, but I still had that routine of being able to work. Um, yeah. And then I was told that they were furloughing all staff and I couldn't be furloughed because my contract only started on the 9th of March. So that was, that was a real, a real gut punch. Um, and I really, I mean, that kind of made me spiral a bit for a couple of weeks because it was just a case of really feeling sorry for myself more than anything. And obviously, I mean, you would in that, in that situation, but that made things a bit harder. But now that I've, you know, you've had that time to process things, I think it was just kind of setting out, right, listen, this is the situation. There's no point in feeling down and negative about it because, I mean, it's just in general, everyone's struggling with lockdown, whether you're working or you're not. I think everyone's, it's such a change and it's a case of, right, there's nothing we can actually do to change this. This is what has to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's a case of just trying to make the make the best out of that situation. And I don't know if and you feel that as well, but I think it's for me when this all started, you know, when the outbreak it was about late February, early March, everyone was talking about, you know, COVID nineteen. And I wasn't because I'm one of those people that I don't pay attention to things unless it's major. And at the time it wasn't people were playing it down. And so I was just getting on with mm-hmm. it. But when we got into lockdown, I, I you know, I, I was thinking, how on earth am I going to do this for, you know, at first it was three weeks and then it went to six weeks. And you're thinking, how on earth are you going to deal with it? Because it's, yeah. it's like you're locked in, you can't do anything. You know, I was lucky enough that I still had uni work to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still had stuff with the podcast to sort out. So, you know, most of my days were either doing uni work or fits and stuff for the podcast. So it managed to work out all right. I, I would say over the last couple of weeks, it's it's been difficult because mm-hmm. you're running out of stuff to watch. You're running out of stuff to do. And I'm I'm eating so much rubbish at the minute. That, that yeah, has a, a that. negative impact. It really is hard. And for people that, you know, struggle with mental health, like to a degree where it, it can be, you know, they, they do go down like a, a really bad path. It, it must be absolutely horrendous this lockdown being locked down is the best thing for everyone to get by this but at the same time it's getting harder and harder and harder on people as the days go on you spoke about being furloughed just quickly was there a reason that they said that they couldn't furlough you so obviously the business that i'd working in i was a recruitment resourcer for a construction kind of 
would you say the word uh, we were kind of we would place people uh, people would come to us it was like a recruitment agency people would come to us and say listen i'm looking for work blah 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 then we would obviously place them in you know that that field of work obviously the construction industry came to a pretty grinding halt so i worked more in the temporary side of things so we had about 270 temporary workers out contracted in different sites all over scotland i think that dwindled down to about 40 in a space of about a week so it was a case of right there isn't actually enough work for us to do. You know, I was still training at the time, so I was working here from the laptop um, doing training calls. So, I mean, that in itself was quite a challenge, but it was like still enjoyable because they were still you were still getting up every morning, still working. It came around to the, the furlough and said, right, we're furloughing everyone. So I thought, right, that's fine. Obviously, money had been an issue because I was out of work. I had left. I was working in left there um just before christmas and then the full of january and, and february was just me just literally every day hammering out cvs had a couple of interviews then i finally got this job i thought right fantastic like threw myself right in there because it, the january and february were very difficult months like i'm someone that's so routine based and i need to have my mind focused on something and not having that was like really difficult so i finally got this break i thought right brilliant let's run with this let's really take this opportunity and i was like loving it i was absolutely fantastic then I got the call. Oh, and I think it was a Monday. They said, Connor, blah, blah, blah. You know the situation with the furlough. I'm sorry, it's not good news. I was like, oh, no, please don't tell me this is happening. They said, unfortunately, we can't furlough you because I think at that stage, the cutoff date was the 28th of February for like starting contracts. And I started on the 9th of March. Oh. Um so they, they couldn't furlough me. So I was like, oh, please. And then this is where the, obviously, people, when you suffer from like mental health issues, it's like, you just, it's like things hit you 10 times harder. It was like, please don't tell me this is happening. So it was like, right, I spent a day or two feeling sorry for myself. And I thought, you know what? I, I talk all the time about what I've overcame. And, and I mean, in my circumstance, like I've had, you know, I've had issues. Depression hasn't really been something that's been all that prevalent, but it's been like anxiety. And that has then brought me down. I thought, right, I've spoke so much about how I've overcame things and I'm mentally strong. Instead of saying it, let's do it. Let's actually do it. So I, I was trying to pull myself out that rut. And then I got the news that they had changed the furlough date to, yeah. I think it was like the, the 16th or 17th of March. I thought, right, oh my God, this is amazing. So I was like phoning them. I was like, I had this chicken running about like phoning people being like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. And then they phoned me back. I went, listen, it's only for people who had been paid i think it, they were on the payroll yeah and obviously my i think my my first payment date was the 27th of march um so that was like oh my god i like got myself roped in got this glimmer of hope and it's just been pulled again yeah. and i mean to their credit they tried everything like, absolutely everything if they were trying every trick in the book to try and help me and mm. as things stand they i'm still in the group chat with them and stuff and we still they still keep me in the loop with updates so They've said that as soon as all this is over, as long as like the construction industry isn't completely in the gutter, that I'll be yeah. back, um, which is obviously fantastic. But it's like it's still the unknown, so you're still kind of nervous. Like there's no guarantees, but that was that was a real a real knock, definitely. Just made the lockdown a bit harder. No, I can imagine because at the start I was in the same kind of boat with the company I worked for. Um, I I was doing because we the shop I work in, um, it's at Glasgow Airport. So you were thinking when you heard that shops were you know certain places were closing down you were thinking right well it's not going to be us because we're we're in an airport um but then when they started cancelling flights and the the less and less people that were going through the airport that's when you started to realize they're, they're going to end up shutting this place down 
um, eventually, mm-hmm. and I was doing overtime at the time, so I only worked part time. Um, and I'm in the shop doing. I can't remember what it was about. I was doing, but anyway, I was doing it, and my manager came out. She was like, oh, "Can I can I have a word with you?" And I'm like, oh, "Shit, what what have I done?" Um, so I went through, and she was like, "It's not good news. Um, they're closing the store. Um, but we've not made the the company haven't made the decision or not of whether they're going to furlough." And mm-hmm. I was like right so what does that mean for me and she was like well there everybody's getting laid off at the end of this week once the shops all emptied etc and I was like okay I was in the mindset where well I was fuck this in now I'm off but I didn't yeah. I stayed and I, I did my overtimes I thought well if I can get as much money as I can I'll, I'll do it but then mm-hmm. by the end of that week my manager got a call and then she put in the group chat that they had made the decision to furlough us so that that kind of was like a huge relief because I was thinking I've no get a lot of money at the best of times. You know, with student being a student and things, it's it's pretty tough. Um, so the fact mm-hmm. that I wasn't going to be getting paid, it was hard. Um, so you know, my my main my mental health took like a dip. Um, but when they announced that they were giving us furlough, it was it was a relief. Um, even though it's only eighty percent of your wage, it, it it was a relief to an extent. But to be told that you're you're not getting furlough because you're I think what eight or nine days out of, you know the, the cutoff date is you know that that must be like an, an absolute hard one to take. It it was it was a sore one I think because I was enjoying it so much. Um, yeah. I'd went from obviously, you know the kind of backstory. I'd finished uni, graduated last June, um, moved over to Scotland, um, yeah. in July. And then about, I know I'd done a couple of interviews and then at the start of September, I started my job, which was, it was kind of just like, right, this is not something that I'm going to do forever, but it's something that get a bit of money in, get settled. Um, and that at first was good. And then that took a, a dip. There was a whole load of circumstances in the workplace. My manager had went off sick like two days after it started. So that was a pretty bad employment experience. Obviously, like just coming out of uni, it was my first proper full time job as well. Yeah. And then to 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 lose to lose that job, I was told because it was a temporary contract. I was basically told with about three weeks to go that I was going to be getting kept on. Now, as much as I wasn't enjoying it, I was like, yeah. right, do you know what? Money's money, and a job's a job. Routine's good. Um. And then, uh, because one one of my, one of my coworkers he had left, and so there was an opportunity there. So I thought, right gives me some time I can get some money in the savings me and the missus were staying at, at her grand so I thought right we could maybe even start saving up to try and get a flat or something so you're thinking all these things in the summer holiday and trying to put the wheels in motion because obviously you know yourself in uni money's tight you can't plan things you can't yeah. you know have a deposit down somewhere or, or this and that so I thought right this is really the adult life I've moved away from my, my family home and, and it's like right the big bad world and then they tell me they're not keeping me on because they're the company were, I don't know, there was some financial situation and they weren't recruiting people. Yeah. So I was like, right, that's a god punch. And then, what, three, four months later, get the wheels going again, the new job, and then boom, it's just pulled away. And it's just, it's so easy to feel sorry for yourself. Feel like it, the whole world's against you. And I did, like, I mean, I was, I must have been a nightmare for my girlfriend. Like, it was just constant negativity. And why is, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why is everyone else getting their coosty? sitting doing their their nine to five job in the house and getting their eighty percent wage to sit in their arse pretty much. But it's like everything happens for a reason. And it's it's how you react to these situations that stand you in good stead. So um no just I think just hindsight's a, a, a good thing. And I think like in the moment it feels horrible. Like you know yourself when you're dealing with, with situations like life throws you curveballs all the time. 
and it's in the moment you kind of feel like I'm this I feel so weak why am I feeling like this and then two weeks down the line you get faced with another challenge I think right well look how I overcame that one if I can use that kind of what I taught myself and the discipline that I taught myself through that to be positive then what can you do going forward like how you overreact to situations going forward and it's like sometimes I said like I feel I don't know if you get this but like I'm 22 I'm turning 23 in a couple of weeks like I've been suffering with anxiety since I was 18 it's like why a lot of my friends have never been in that situation where they're in a social gathering and they have to leave because they're having a horrendous panic attack and they think they're going to pass out or they just they just wake up and feel horribly down just because their mind is just playing tricks them and you're thinking this is going to put me in a great place mentally in years to come because of the strength that I've gained through the, the things you've went through and that's a lot like a lot of people I've spoke to that have suffered with mental health issues say the same thing it's horrible at the time but if you look at it in a positive light think how strong you're going to be 10 years down the line when you're faced with a situation and there's other people out there that haven't had to go through the difficulties so like it's almost like their first hurdle they're needing to overcome whereas you've been through so many you think do you know what this is that's life life is ups and downs and the, the quicker you accept that so yeah just try i think it's just trying to look at these situations in a positive light and trying to, and against like sharing experiences and being able to give tips on how to deal with things to people that maybe I've only developed mental health issues like in the last six months or even since lockdown started I've seen so many people that are usually so cheery and happy like I feel horrible like I don't know what to do with myself and that's why it's good for men to open up and talk because it's like I'm this six foot five big guy and like so many people like I'd never thought that you would have had like anxiety or suffered with mental health it's like it doesn't discriminate like it (laughs) doesn't matter on the person anyone anyone can can suffer that's just life so no, exactly. Um, what you're saying there is, you know, especially when you're saying about about men needing to speak up, you know, that that's a very that's a very good point, and it's something that that more people need to take on board, especially you know men that do have mental health, um, mm-hmm. you know, problems. Since 2013, um, it was it was like the summer, uh, late summer of 2013, I had like developed a small like bit of anxiety and. I got mm-hmm. over it and I, I put it to to like my part like I put it behind me and I got over it and I was good for about three years and then like twenty sixteen was like the worst year I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I genuinely think I've lived through because at the start it was like mental health then the summer was okay but then after summer happened it was just like right through until the Jan from like the September to the January it was just constant like anxiety and depression it was horrible um but you know you, you make you make a, a like such a great point about looking to the future because of what of the battles that you've you've managed to overcome and that you know that that's exactly my mindset that's exactly what i do when i do feel down and i'm in that place where i'm like oh I can't be bothered doing anything i feel horrible i just think of what i've overcame and you know how i'm going to be prepared for it in years to come because at the end of the day it's not something that's going to go away from it I'm, I believe I'm always going to have like anxiety but mm-hmm. I just need to remember that there are ways to to get by it and you know you, you will you will start to feel better for me specifically football is a great way to to keep my mind focused um how are you dealing with it with a lack of football and, and sport in general how's that fitting for you horribly to be honest it's um Obviously, one of the main reasons I moved to Scotland, obviously, I met my girlfriend through the football. She's a season book holder at Celtic as well. My granddad grew up in Glasgow. He was born in Belfast, but grew up in Glasgow. And that, like, since I was no age, it was Celtic. Just since I was, I don't know how small, it was just Celtic, Celtic, Celtic. 
So since I since I was I don't know I think I went to my first game and I was maybe three or four yeah. and I was pretty much regularly coming over every other weekend getting the boat or flying since I was about seven or eight and it's it's just been a constant. I mean obviously I've moved here and I played football here as well, but it's like life has revolved around football and probably Celtic in specific for as long as I can remember. Like as uh, since. Since you're kind of conscious enough to make your own decisions, it's always been Celtic, and you do take it for granted. I think now I, I always say that to my, my Scottish pals how much they took Celtic for granted because they lived here, um, yeah. and I would doing these like getting up at five a.m. on a Saturday morning to get the boat and not getting home until eleven p.m. at night. It's like you do really appreciate it, and then since since I've moved here and it's just forty five minutes down the road to Parkhead, you've, I've started taking it for granted again. And yeah. now that it's not there, you're kind of like, like, what else is there? Like, it's almost like, I don't, my mum's always like, oh, there's more important things in life than football. I'm like, there, there's really not. And then now yeah. that the football's gone, I'm kind of like, I kind of wish I'd listened to her and got another hobby because I don't know yeah. what to do with myself. But I, yeah. it's, I think it's, it's, it's the unknown more than anything. Like, if we knew that you could be a parkhead in two months, then you'd be like, right, fine, we'll just fight through it. But it's like, you don't know when you're going to be back. So I don't know how you're doing with it, but I imagine we're all the same. I mean, at the start, I was like, because it was the day before, or two days before the the Rangers game. I, I, yep. don't, I don't know about you, but see when the Monday of the week prior to an old firm game comes, I'm, I'm up for it, I'm bouncing, you know, I'm, I'm there, I'm confident at the start, but see by the time you get to Friday, you're like, oh, don't know what way this is going to go. So I was in that, I was already in that phase of, I was getting nervous, like even more mm-hmm. nervous for the game, and then they were like, oh no, the game's off. And you're like, ah, well, shit, what, what am I going to do? Like, how long is the football going to be off for? And it was like that that unknown. You were like, oh, God, I don't know. How does this affect the season, etc. cetera? I, I think I've coped with it relatively well. I mean, um, I do. I've been trying to like be more healthy by doing like 5Ks. So regularly mm-hmm. I walk up to Celtic Park and it, I mean, that you feel quite good in a sense doing that. But I think other people will be more affected by the loss of it than, than me. Um because I've, yeah. I've, although although I want it back, I'm like I'm not desperate for it if that if that makes sense. Um, but I do I, I really do miss it. Um, I can, can't wait till it's back. I mean, yesterday we should have been the Scottish Cup final, so yeah, that was a bit hard to look on. But um, no, it's it'll be good. It'll be good when it's back, and we'll learn now not to take everything for granted because you'll learn that football might not always be here. I think a lot of a lot of I'm lucky in the sense that I I play football as well. So pretty much I've got like say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, any two of those three days I'd be training. And then if I'm not training, if we have a midweek game, I'll be at a midweek game. And then um, I've missed I've missed maybe five or six home games this season if they were on a Saturday. Maybe yeah. not even that much because I was obviously playing myself. But we're lucky that obviously the Europa League we were able to change games the Sundays. But yeah, it's, uh, for I mean for me I've always found that there's been two two go tos for me that I know that when I'm in a dark place that have always pulled me out. Well, three really. Um, music obviously is one of them. I think like music or just kind of any audio things like podcasts always really help. I mean, music if my mood is quite low has yeah. been great. Um, because it kind of can really pick you up again. Uh, even just going for a walk with your headphones full blast and podcasts as well. If I'm, if I'm feeling like lonely or like just kind of struggling getting inside my own head, I feel like a podcast is a great way to, to take your mind off things because it almost feels like you're having a conversation and yeah. listening to different people and relating to stuff. And I've always been like such a big fan of podcasts that way. But then obviously 
football and wrestling as well. Um, wrestling and, and, and UFC and MMA, those types of things have always kind of, I don't know, I always feel like when I've been in a, a dark place and it's always been that it's been either the football or wrestling or MMA that's been able to pull me out of it. Yeah. Just by being able to, like, if, if I'm really struggling, just tag someone on my mates and being like, oh, you're watching, I don't know, say there was a, a pay-per-view on or there was, like, say, a, a big UFC event. Are you watching yeah. such and such? I, why don't we, do you want to come down to mine and we'll have a few beers? And you're like, that's like that social aspect. It's not just, oh, I want to see, even like football, I want to see 22 boys kick a ball about. It's not, it's <laughs> getting the bus down to the match and having a pint with your mates and your family. I'm lucky I go with my girlfriend and, and her dad and brother. So we, we all, we, we have the, our supporters bus and it's like the camaraderie and being in the pub and chatting to the boys and um, like the amount of friends I've met through football. It's yeah. like, it's not just, it's and especially Celtic, like it's not just a game. It's like everything you think about, you wake up. Like I, I was on FaceTime with my granddad yesterday and the near enough the full call was talking about Celtic. Like there's nothing to talk about because there's been no football for two months, but it's just still, he's telling me stories about growing up watching Celtic in the 40s and 50s. And you're just kind of like, I just, I just don't, I don't know what other clubs are like because I don't support another club. I like different clubs, but it's like, you don't have that. It's like a, like a family thing. I know that's quite a cliche, but it is a family thing. People are missing that. It's like a big gaping hole when it's not there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my dad, he loves football. And obviously when it's not here, he, he's still finding ways to talk about it, obviously because of the, the current events in Scottish football at the minute. <laughs> There's still loads to talk <laughs> about. Um, there is. But no, it, it's a massive, it, it is like a massive part of your life. And the, you get those people that say, oh, why do you like football? Like, oh, I don't see the point. It's not that mm. important. It's like, if you don't understand it, then it, it doesn't matter. Like Your opinion doesn't matter if you don't understand it. And that's the way I look at it when people say that. You mentioned earlier on, you said you've had this kind of anxiety since you were around about 18. What was it that brought that on? Pretty much came out of nowhere. Um, I just finished school. And I think that my last year in school, like my, my last two years in school were by far the best two years of my life. I'd gotten a big kind of friendship group. I'd never really had like a massive friendship group before. Yeah. Um, I would have had pals and that and, and played my football, but I was more kind of, I wasn't one now only started drinking when I was 17. And a lot of my pals would be drinking since they were like 14, 15 and going to parks and, and having what we call back home, having a scumbag swell. And that was never <laughs> something that I, some, never something that I had done. So I was kind of, in that way, because I, I wasn't drinking early and I was so focused on like playing football or going to watch football. But then when I got into the, the last two years of school, obviously people are growing up and you're starting to go out more and getting this, you know, group of pals and um I'm a first girlfriend and stuff, and it was like the best two years of my life. Then I left school and fell short by one grade, one A level to get into uni. So I had to repeat exams, go to college and stuff for a year. Um and that was I mean, that was quite hard on I think my mum more than anything because it was like You've been in this, you know, I was in quite a good school and you were like really sheltered your whole life. And yeah. then you're just flung into the big bad world. And I had no street sense whatsoever. Like I didn't know I was going to college with like boys that, you know, boys with like different problems and like learning difficulties and that. And I'd been yeah. in like one of the top schools. So you're coming from like people, like, I'm, not, I'm not posh by any sense. Like well, I was just lucky to get into that school, but you're coming from like people like really wealthy backgrounds. Like their mums and dads are like doctors and stuff. Like my mum's a hairdresser, my dad's a musician. Like, <laughs> so it wasn't like, you know what I mean? so for me, he's a musician. I thought you said that so magician. He, no, 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 no. Maybe sometimes he likes to think he's a magician, but he's not. Nah, he's a musician. Um, so 
I'm just like normal, like working class in this school full of like, like middle class, you know, people. Yeah. Um, and of course not all of them were, but a lot of them were. And then you're put into like a college in the middle of West Belfast where it's really rough. Yeah. And that is where like, obviously everyone's like working class and I'm the same, but because I'd went to school with, there wasn't like, there was, there was bullying, but it wasn't like, there was very like little like physical violence yeah. or like, people with severe problems and then you're getting flung into this and you're like oh i'm gonna have to really grow up here very quick um but that was still fine like but i think the thing that hit me the most was not getting into uni my friends yeah. they had all started getting their student houses they all got into uni they were getting their student houses and getting ready for uni so we were out partying all the time and it was like for the first two weeks after results was literally like near enough out every night it was just mayhem so i didn't really even have time to think about what had happened then it was what i just remember one night it was out the night before I, I don't know, I was up drinking at like six in the morning, had about four hours sleep, stayed in their house all day, then went up to get a quick shower and then back out again. And then when I was in the car on the way back down, just this like rush and wave of like derealization and like lightheadedness and not knowing where I was. And my heart started going and my, my, pa- my palms are sweaty. And for me, my biggest symptom or my biggest kind of issue was the derealization, which I still suffer from today. Um, where you just feel like you're not in your body, like you're in a, you're just like watching yourself, like you you feel like you're gonna pass out, and it's horrendous. And that was the first time I'd ever had that, and I did not know what it was. Like I was like, what is this? Yeah. And I was like, right, that is weird. So I went down to the house and I had a couple of beers and thought, right, maybe I'll feel a bit better. And I still felt horrendous. I was like, right, maybe it's just a hangover. I don't know, maybe. So I went home. And the next day I woke up and was like, right, that's that's strange. Like, I don't know what that was. Because I, I had no idea if anxiety, like, I was completely ignorant to it. I didn't know about, yeah. obviously I knew, like, people would suffer from depression. But growing up, you, th- you think it's, like, all older men or women that have depression and they drink and they take drugs. And why is, I'm 18, like, why is this, like, what is this? And yeah. then a couple, couple of days went by, I just getting on my normal life. I was working part-time in, like, a, a coffee um, shop in a, in a market and I was working there and then boof hit me again I was like oh my god what is that yeah the lightheadedness and feel like we're gonna pass out and your heart race I was like what that is no nah, that's not right um and then like I say I was still going out with my pals and stuff but I was like that's 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 not right something's not right there so the, the, all these things start going through your head is like have I got like a tumor in my brain have I got something wrong on my blood am I like low on iron and I was like all these things trying to figure out what it was to cut a long story short, a different couple of different jobs started a, a new kind of more, not full-time, it was still part-time because I was studying at the time, but yeah. um, supposed to be about 16 hours a week. It was a, a garage about, I don't know, 10, 15-minute walk from my house. Started off fine, and then just got the complete test like ripped out of me by the manager. Just I was on a 16-hour contract trying to do two A-levels at the time and going to the class once a week, and he, was, he had me in working like 40, 50 hours when I was only like scheduled for, for 16. And obviously, it was like my first proper, like proper formal job. So, like, I didn't really know what to make of it. And then I was trying to battle with like not knowing what these at the time were like massive panic attacks. So then, my I was like coming home. For, I was literally doing nothing. I wasn't going to see my pals. I was doing absolutely nothing. Like I was going to work, coming home, and I didn't know like what to do because it was such a, like a change in my life that's probably brought this on. Um, and then at the time, I my girlfriend broke up with me as well, and I think that was probably down to the fact that like I was not becoming and I was like I was becoming a not a nice person 
because I didn't know what was going on in my head and I was constantly down because all I was doing was going to work or studying and then coming yeah. home. I had no social life. I took myself out of that. And I was like, she was like thriving in her life. She was like in her last year of school. She was the year below me in school. And she was like aiming to go to uni and going out with all her pals and stuff. And I was like, how she's still living this normal life and like all my pals are still living this normal life and I can't literally walk to the shop two minutes away without feeling like I'm going to pass out or having yeah. this anxiety and it was like I was just it was just horrible and then obviously the breakup happened that made things worse and I don't think my mum and dad understood what was going on they I was like I can't go to work today like I feel horrendous and they're like no you're just being lazy you're just being lazy and they didn't understand what was going on then yeah. eventually I said to my mum, I said, I need to go to the doctor because something's not right. Like, I'm feeling down all the time. I'm having panic attacks all the time. Like, I don't, like, want to do anything. Like, I, I go to work because I have to. And yeah. at this time, even I'd went to I'd my, my classes, I'd stopped going to my classes because I couldn't face sitting in the room because I felt like I was trapped. Like, I would sit closest to the door, but I'd be sitting there and I'd be like, right, I need to go. I, I'm like getting so panicky and, and nervous. I'm like, I need to go. So I would go, my mum would drop me off and she thought that I was going to my class and I would just sit in the library and make notes yeah. in the library because I was too scared of the anxiety getting me in the class. Um, yeah. And then eventually had to had to leave my job as well. And it was just like, just literally completely out of nowhere. It wasn't circumstantial. The only circumstance was that I'd left school and didn't get into uni, but it's not like, I mean, that's that's minor, that's small. In hindsight, for me at the time, it was big, and obviously it caused, you know, what I turned out to be anxiety, but, like, people, I'm like, why, why is this happening to me? Like, people, like, I've not lost a loved one, or I've not been diagnosed with, like, an illness, and in hindsight, it's kind of like, that was pathetic, like, the way that my brain made me feel, and but it's kind of like I've, I've almost it's like you develop a respect in the sense like you can never belittle someone's someone's emotions or like how someone's feeling because something that in hindsight for me like is quite small like in terms of say losing a family member or being told that you've got four weeks to live but everyone deals with situations differently especially if it's their first time yeah. dealing with like a, a mental health problem and that's why it's always like no matter how like someone could get like frustrated because i don't know something very very minor happens and it just sets them off but you think like you can never just be like oh well i've been through this and i've been through that and blah 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 it's like no because every like you can't belittle like how someone feels because that is major to them yeah and it's exactly just, i think it's all about treating people like giving people that respect and i think that's something that having like dealing with anxiety and mental health problems has taught me like just just be nicer more just even if i'm not having a bad day i've, I've been watching this um uh, afterlife on netflix which is absolutely outstanding um and obviously ricky gervais plays the main character and he, he had said that if you're not having a good day and you feel like your life's worthless and you've got nothing to give and you're just what what's even the point just remember that if you're not happy it doesn't mean that everyone around you has to be unhappy as well like all you need to do is like pay someone a compliment to say oh my god you're looking like you've lost a bit of weight or i don't know your hair's looking really nice today or blah 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 or just ask them about how their day's been that that could go a really long way for them and yeah that really stuck with me because like when i was feeling down all it took was someone just to message me like one of my pals and be like oh mate you've been quiet lately how are you feeling and that for me would have been like wow that is like they're actually still thinking about me without me having to be like say in the chat like lads i'm not feeling great blah 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 and they don't acknowledge like what's like almost like too scared to talk about it whereas now like if i see someone's being quiet or being off in the chat 
I'll get on the phone to them and be like, listen, are you all good? Like, we can we can chat. I don't care if it's the smallest thing in the world. Like, just get it off your chest. Yeah. Uh, battling mental health's tough, and you know that, and, you know, people that are going to listen will understand that, but it is so much easier when you've got someone just to listen. Just someone to listen. Just even say, listen, I've had a horrible day. I feel like this, blah, blah, blah. Listen, do you want to go for a coffee or do you fancy going for a walk? Like that makes such a difference. And people, it's, it's like people think, oh, mental health, blah, blah, blah. Are we going to have to go above and beyond to help this person? Even like something simple, like a five minute phone call can actually save someone's life. And that's not yeah. exaggerating. Like it, I could genuinely, someone could be sitting thinking, what is the point in my life? Someone could call and say, oh, mate, we miss you being out with the boys. Why don't you come out? We'll, we'll go get a coffee. We'll go and grab a pint and come out with the boys. That, is, that could be like, right, I have validation again. These people yeah. want to be hanging about with me. And it's all it takes. It's nothing. You don't need to go over the top. It's just like as simple as a message. Mm. Buddy, you okay? Listen, do you want to have a chat? Like, And I think that's what people need to understand. It doesn't need to be this big fuss, mate. You don't have to make a big fuss. It's just just reaching out to folk and just, even if it's, because a lot of the time it's the people that you don't suspect, the people that are so strong. Yeah. And they, they put on, like, not to say that they put on a front, but they are generally strong people but they don't let on that they're struggling. And all you need is, all, sometimes all it can take is, listen, but I feel where you're coming from. And yeah. have a chat. And I don't know, I mean, I, I assume you probably agree with that, but... 100%. Um, I think, you know, what you were saying there about if someone's been quiet in the chat and you're like, you, you see that they're being quiet, you, you would give them a message. But, um, you know, I, I feel like that's, if I'm in that place, I feel like that's one of the best things that someone can do is to message you to say, oh, you seemed a bit different. Are you, are you all right? Do you need a chat? And I, I was feeling a bit crappy the other day um, and they were all in the chat talking about, talking fish mainly, but um, they were talking, oh. they, were, they were interested in it, I wasn't. And I seen the messages and I was like, just go back to watching what I was watching. I, I, I wasn't care. I was seeing the chat but wasn't commenting. And about 20 minutes later, I got like a message and I'm like, what's this? And it was one of my best mates. He was like, you've seen the messages, but you're not coming. You all right? And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, crappy, but no, I'm all right. But I appreciated the fact that he took the time to to message me um, and, and to see that I was all right. And, you know, I, I feel like that's the best thing that you can get from someone is when you are feeling down. It's like someone is checking in and it kind of takes like, I don't know how to describe it. It takes away like that you're feeling lonely or you're feeling worthless. It's like when somebody does that, it, it, it does it. But as you said, it validates you a little bit. So for me, it's like the best thing that can happen. I think in society today, I think there's still a load of stigma around mental health and that there shouldn't be. And I bring that up because I seen a tweet the other day and it was a it was a guy. Um, don't know if it was a real Twitter account or it was somebody uh, at the wind up, but they were like, "Oh, people moaning about having mental health and lockdown, or just attention seeking wankers." And I'm like, it annoyed me the tweet. And I was like, "Andy's a wanker here at show," but I, I feel like there is still far too much stigma around mental health, and I, I don't know what you think of that. I feel like people are ignorant to it, but not through, in the majority of cases, not through any fault of their own. Um, you know, a couple of boys that I'm pals with, like if I'm feeling down, I, I would put in the chat, I'm like, listen, I'm feeling like shy today, blah, blah, blah. And I know that there's always one boy that I'm, I've been pals with. He's, you know, suffered with um, with anxiety and before and he would always message me straight away. But a lot of the other boys, and I wouldn't say through any fault of their own, they've just never you know, had that real battle with like a depression or 
anxiety or you know um, even an, an addiction of some sort um, so they almost freeze and they don't know what to say and I, I always I, I'm not going to be like right because I used to because I, I, I felt like I was the only one going through this I'd be like you know what they just they don't care like no one cares but yeah. now in hindsight obviously uh, one of my pals had mentioned he had, had said in the chat listen I'm, I'm not feeling great at the moment blah 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 and no one replied to him either and it was almost like for me it was like right these boys aren't just like not that they don't care about me i feel like they're almost scared because it is like it, it can be scary like a funnier policy and listen i'm like i'm feeling worthless here i'm feeling hopeless like i don't know what i'm gonna do myself and they're yeah. kind of borderline on that like that suicidal and you're kind of like right what are, what are we gonna do here but yeah. from like being in that position i know that the best thing to do is literally bam straight on the phone right let's talk it out here yeah whereas so, right, don't get me wrong, some people are ignorant and some people are just not nice people, like that guy that put that tweet up. Yeah. Some people are just generally not nice people and very selfish, but the vast majority are just, they don't know how to react because it is, like you said, it's such a complex and taboo subject. It's not that they're purposely being like, oh, screw him, he can just get on with himself. They're like, yeah. I don't know what to say because they feel like if you get roped in and they tell you, oh, such and such, or I've got a health problem or such and such has happened in my life, then like it's almost your burden to deal with. But in most yeah. cases, it's not. People just want to vent and get a little something off their chest. Now, I'm very lucky. Obviously, I've, like I said, I mean, depression's not really been something that I've had prominently, but I've like had periods when I've felt horrible, which is you know because of the anxiety. If I'm feeling like, why can't I just go to Morrison's and get... I don't know, my groceries without feeling like I'm going to have a horrendous panic attack. Um, like, why can't I just go and live my life normally and do this? And I do get, like, really down. I'm, and I'm lucky that I have my girlfriend there because she's, like, an absolute diamond with it. She just, she knows that, right, listen, we'll just, we'll stick a film on or we'll go and grab a coffee, we'll go out for a drive and we're fine. Whereas yeah. a lot of people don't have that. And I'm fortunate in that sense that I do. But sometimes all someone's wanting is just, just a message and there is such a there is still such a taboo around it and i i hate that this this the whole it's okay not to be okay and anyone's feeling down give me a buzz like that's okay saying that a lot of people say that but they don't yeah. actually act they don't actually act on it yeah um, no, 100%. and i say oh listen listen bud anytime like i'm sorry to hear you're feeling down like give me a buzz anytime and then you give them a buzz and you get left on red and you're like are you just saying that so that the public can think that you're this fantastic person that wants to help everyone or are you just saying that just to cover your back in case anything bad like say you know worst case scenario someone takes their own life and they're like oh, well i i did my bit because i offered i offered yeah. blah 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 it's like no it we we need to be more proactive in reaching out to our pals and just to even if it's someone that you don't know like that's how sometimes that's how a friendship can start you reach out to someone to go listen but i'm really sorry to hear about i don't know your, your granny's passed away or you lost your job if you ever want to chat or do you want to, for me, in, in a lot of cases, it's been either I've sent a message to a boy or someone's messaged me if I've like put a tweet up saying, listen, I feel horrible to go listen. Why don't we grab a pint at the next Celtic game or why don't we do this or do that? And you say, right. So then you go up and then that's how friendships start. Yeah. Just by that one simple message, not only have you maybe even brought them out of a hole, then they've, you've opened this whole wider circle. But I think generally in society today, people are so much more negative and so much more in themselves than like you look at like the sense of community the places would have had like 30 40 years ago you don't get that anymore you, you don't yeah. get that camaraderie among people it's like everyone's in it for themselves now and yeah it's hard but it's just 
it's just I just feel that we just need to be nicer just be nicer to people we're not here we're not going to be here forever you don't know what could happen you could go and get hit by a bus tomorrow do you know what i mean or you could yeah. live 60 years more it's just like treating every day as if it's your last and more than anything treating people the way you want to be treated that's the big thing for me is like would i want someone being a dickhead to me like in the chat sometimes i get myself way too caught up and taking the piss like i'm so bad for like ripping the mince out of people and not out of spite it's just when someone slags me i like to give a slagging back because i think it's quite funny it's just yeah. banter but sometimes it can go too far and i get caught up in it and i'm like it gets to the point where like i'll read the message back later and like i was i was a bit of a prickler yeah i should message nah. him and be like and you do you mean it's not i don't think it's like a malicious thing but it's just a case of like sometimes reining it in a bit and understanding what's going on with people because people could snap and be like oh <laughs> Who shot in your cornflakes this morning? Grew up, it's only a joke. But then, but then you don't realize they could have had a horrible day. Like they could have had a massive falling out with someone, or something's going on at home, and you don't realize that. Like, yeah, you've just contributed to it. So, I think we can all learn. But we can all learn. I mean, I think that's my biggest flaw. Um, is taking the absolute piss. Uh, yeah. I, do, I do it all the time in chats. I'm really bad for it. And sometimes you realise, oh fuck, shouldn't have said that. But I'm 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 that kind of person that if I realise I've done wrong, I'll I'll admit it straight away. Once once I realise, obviously, um, I'll be like, so I, I didn't mean it to come across like that. Cause I don't um, I don't like making other people feel feel horrible. So no, I, I totally get that. It's a bit of a difficult question I'm about to ask because it's like for me, I find social media to be such like a, I think it's a great thing. You know, it gives you news and it gives you avenues to chat to people and make friends. But there is also this dark side of it where, you know, people are horrible and and, and mean and just say things whether or not they mean it or they're just looking to get clout I, I don't know but what kind of impact do you think social media has for you know people with mental health I think social media is obviously positive and negative like the advances in technology for a start is allowing us to do things like this um allows me to FaceTime with my 86 year old granddad back home in Belfast and chat my family but at the same time it's such a like social media is such a, a breeding ground for hostility and negativity and being sucked into like negative thoughts and attitudes like but at the same time if you can if you can use it in a positive light like being able to interact with people and talk about you know your mental challenges or you know, even just like talking about the football, it's good that way because you're able to meet so many people through it. And it's like yeah. such, such a good thing that way. But at the same time, I feel like, I mean, Instagram is my favorite app. But at the same time, Instagram, I think especially for, for young girls and, you know, and women, it's so hard because it, it paints this false image of the things that they can't attain. Like, you know, girls like 15, 16 that are, you know, wanting to, be as skinny as this model or wanting to have lips yeah. like this model it's like it's given I, th I think in that sense it's really bad for women because it's given them such a complex about their body they feel like that they should look this way and the way they look isn't enough which then spirals to them having you know mental health issues such as like eating disorders and um you know like body dysmorphia where they're yeah. they don't feel that they're good enough and that is where I think social media is horrible because people aren't honest on it. Yeah. But at the same time, it is it can be used to a force for good as well, of course. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm 
happy to admit that I couldn't live without social media in terms of keeping up with the news and, and interacting with people and the amount of friends I've made is, is unbelievable. But at the same time, it's people, again, where this negativity comes in, people can be behind an anonymous account. I can say, oi, fatso, you should kill yourself. You're like, yeah. would you would you say that to their face? Because I guarantee you wouldn't. You certainly wouldn't. Like, I had a guy, um, it was 2018, it was December 24th, and I was talking, because my mate, one of my best mates is a Manchester United fan, um, and we were talking about whether or not like Liverpool and Man United is actually a rivalry, um, or is it a derby or whatever, because, I, I mean, personally, I don't, I don't think it's a, I, I don't think it's a derby, I think it's a rivalry, because there's a, yeah. a difference, but anyway, I, I digress on that, Um but this guy commented and he was like, oh, you should go and hang yourself for having that opinion. And I'm like, whoa, what? Jesus. And I was like, that that's, I mean, luckily I, I take most abuse that I, I've received on Twitter with a pinch of salt and I learned to laugh at it. But it was like, can't say that to somebody that's utterly abysmal to even, you know, take the, take the time to tweet something like that. It's just, it's mental. The, um, the, older, the older you get, I think you're able to, it's just more like water off a duck's back. Like you can just be like, right, that's just another arse. We'll just get on with it. But if I was like, like 18, 19, I would have took a lot of those things to heart and been yeah. like, why, why are they being so nasty? Like, and that's where I think social media is quite dangerous for young people because it's like, right, everything you read on the internet's true and everything that anyone says is true. The, the older you get, you realize, right, that's just some fat dickhead who lives down in England who's sitting in his mum's basement like that's a stereotype of these people and their their anonymous kind of like troll accounts you know what I mean yeah um but I just I don't personally understand why someone would want to go on social media and go out of their way to be yeah. horrible to someone like I don't I don't get what like what within yourself like if you're like low on self-esteem why would you try and bring someone else down do you know what I mean? I, I just don't, I've never understood it. No, me neither. Um, and I, I, you know, I still don't understand I, like, why people need to be like that. Like the, the old adage is, is it caught, like manners cost nothing. And yep. I, I just, I wish, I, I personally wish people would be nicer on social media, even when they're trying to make a point of, of having like a different opinion. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, this is my opinion. Imagine having that opinion, having a, it's like, yeah, that's not nice either. It's like you're, I, I don't know. It's like you're belittling somebody's opinion. I do, um, I do think people people learn and grow though because like I'm still. I mean, I still I'm guilty of at times of of being, you know, having a wee dig at someone or you know. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think especially when when you're wrapped up in the whole the Glasgow football bubble, like it's yeah. so easy to be horrible. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, when when it comes to we'll not get into that, but when it comes to you know football colours and that, it's like well not. It, you do find yourself not being you. You do get into that like that horrible yeah. mindset, which obviously, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I love every single Rangers supporter, but at the same time, it's like you you become a but you, you do become a horrible person sometimes. And it's like, right, fair enough. You're never going to be bet. You're never going to be best mates with them all. But like sometimes, I wish I could rein it in a wee bit. And yeah. just in terms of like in the past, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I'm, I'm perfect, I've never slagged anyone before, like, I could be horrible, but it's it's about, and it's that's not just what, like, in terms of football, just in general, like, I, I I think that's why I'm, like, feel quite strongly about it now, because I would have been, I could, I could have that in me to be, like, nasty to someone, 
not because I'm like a bully or anything, just because like you're online, you think, ah, frigate, ding, 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 do you know what I mean? But yeah, um, yeah. it's like, I think just hindsight, it's like learning and growing and the older you get, you realize like life is just far too short and far too fragile to just be horrible to people, especially when you look at this coronavirus situation, like the amount of yeah. people that have lost loved ones and the things that pe- different people are going through, you just... Just you never know what someone's going through, and even though like I've I, I would get wrapped up in my my head like we'll have an anxiety and feeling down and think to myself, do you know what? If I can't be happy, no one else can be happy, so I'm gonna be horrible. But I've learned now that it's that's the worst thing to do. Like why would just because you're unhappy? But yeah, and, and it's worse because it, it leads to a spiral of negativity in your own head. It's just constant negative, negative, negative. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. Whereas now it's like like you said, manners cost nothing. Like being nice to someone. Like, just even a little small thing. Like, the other day, my girlfriend was having a, a horrible day. And she had a bad day at work. And we went to the shop. And I was like, do you want anything? She's like, no, don't want anything, don't want anything. And I went in. I thought, right, I'll surprise her with something. I came out. And then I showed her. I got her, like, sweets and crisps and all that kind of stuff, which is, like, nothing. Like, a couple of quid, and it's really nothing to me. Yeah. It's a small thing. Like, it's just a small gesture. And it literally made her whole day. And you yeah. sit and think to yourself, like, being able to cheer someone up by doing a small act is like it's it's i don't want to say it's like it's like selfishly you want to be nice to people because it gives you satisfaction but if that's your motive like if you want to feel good about yourself and by doing that and that means that by helping like another person out or doing a small gift like the world needs a bit more kindness it's so negative all the time like just doing it like a small thing or like say i don't know i've seen people before like paying like say they're getting a coffee that and I go the hand the, the person at ten and go, listen, pay for the people behind me, pay for their coffee as well. And yeah. it's like just like an anonymous gesture of goodwill, just to be like, do you know what? Those people aren't gonna know it was me or I'll never come into contact with them. But I've done my good deed for the day and you don't know how much that could cheer someone up. Yeah, that was like me the other day. Um I, I mean it was about midnight on Twitter and a YouTuber I follow or followed at the time still following but I don't watch their videos that much I seen they tweeted saying that they were giving like followers um if they put their PayPal account in they would give money uh, mm-hmm. they would give them money and I'm like that's so nice but I clicked I clicked on the thread and it was this it was this girl um and she was like oh my mum just lost her job and she I she can only rely on like my DLA which is disability living allowance mm-hmm. and I was like oh my god that that's so hard that's so hard and our PayPal account was right there so I was like it costs nothing to be nice and I was like I, I, it's only at the end of the day it's only like a small gesture and I thought well you know I'll I'll give her some money and there's two sides that can be looked at that it's like that was a really nice gesture and I, I felt good for it but it was also at the time it was like I had that other thought it was like this could be an absolute bam up and mm. you could just be saying that to get money. But because I'm a nice person, I went through, I went through with it and I gave, uh, it's only a tenner, you know, it's, it's not a big amount, but it made me feel good for helping somebody out. And I, I hope that it, it went to good use. And that, that's, you know, that's, that's just my attitude to life is just to be nice to people. I don't, I, no need for any animosity. I'm the, I used to be really confrontational, but I'm I'm the least confrontational person that I think be on the planet these days. It's I just prefer to be nice to people. It is. I think it's definitely about like learning. Like you said, you used to be confrontational, and now you're not. It's like you do. You just grow, and you you 
life changes and you, you develop these different more positive traits like before like moving away from home has made me appreciate my family so much more and being nice so much more because it's like you think about you know people that you know their their mother or father has passed away and you're like, I'm so grateful that I'm I still have them in my life and yeah. it's it's just I think like just growing up you just realize that how fragile life is because you can go through your life a million miles an hour and not actually take the time to sit and reflect and do a yeah. bit of mindfulness and think about like how how crazy the world is like how lucky you are to be alive and have your health and um like it's it's just being i think being grateful then leads to just in general having a better outlook and a better kind of mental health in general um because it's so easy to just get yourself feeling negative and down and doom and gloom about how horrible everything is it's just i could i could sit here all day and, and list off at how pissed off i am that i can't go and play football or go out with my pals and i don't have a job at the moment and i'm not in the best financial situation but it's like do you know what i still have more money than a lot of people yeah, and that is something I should be grateful of. Like, I don't at the moment. Obviously, I'm dipping into my savings because I'm out of work. But it's like a lot of people out there have absolutely nothing. I'm thankful yeah. I've got a roof over my head. I get my, I get food in, on the table every day. I have access to clean water. I have access to clean clothes and a shower and like all the basic little things that all of us take for granted. When you get something took away from you and you start feeling down and negative, just think right. There's people out there that are homeless. There's people out there that have lost all their family. And yeah. they've got no one. They've got absolutely no one. So when I when I get and it comes back to like how I've dealt with like losing the job in the lockdown, it's like I was getting inside my own head. Why me? Why is this happening to me? And you think, right? I think it was more my dad put it in perspective. He thought, right, you've got your girlfriend, you've got a roof over your head, you've got your mates, you've got your family. A lot of people don't have that, and more than anything. Think of the amount of people out there that are in ICU or have died from from COVID nineteen. You still have your yeah. health. You still have your health, and it's kind of like Jesus. Like when you think about the things you do have, as opposed to the things you don't have, it's just like oh, for me, I was always a glass half empty mentality, and now I've just got to that point in life where it's like, right, where's being negative actually going to get me? Yeah. And more than anything, channeling that like your frustrations in life into a positive thing like for me for the first three four weeks of lockdown i was eating horrendously i was having at least a beer every night because like what else was there to do eating full bags of doritos and chocolate and takeaways and just literally self-destructive yeah. and then it just came to the point where i was like right where is this actually getting me like where 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 am i going to be in two months time coming out of lockdown three stone heavier in a horrible yeah. mental state so i thought to myself right I'll gradually clean my diet up and I'm going to start working out again because from the start of the year, I'd, I think I'd lost like a stone and a half from the start of the year to when lockdown started. And I was yeah. going to the gym and, and really getting into my healthy eating and my exercise. And then this happened and it was like, oh, well, that there's that goes again, blah, blah, blah. Whereas now it's just kind of like, do you know what? I've got some dumbbells. I've got a weight bench and a, and a wee shed. Let's make the most of that. And let's try yeah. and be constructive of the very little resources you have. And it's like having that, like it's so easy to say, oh, I'm a strong person and I deal with these things so well. Yeah. The real tough people are the ones that get through the situations when their backs are against the wall. It's easy for all of us to say, oh, I'm a strong, I'm very strong mentally. You show yeah. it. You don't say it, you show it. 
100% I believe in that. Talking of working out, for, for me, I started, I was on holiday in October, I was in Greece, and I, was, I wasn't happy with the shape that I was in. I was like, I need to lose weight. So I made the conscious decision just before I came back on holiday to contact a personal trainer to say, you know, could we sort something out to set like a plan up? Um, and within four months, I'd lost four stone. And it's the lightest I'd probably been in about six or seven years. And it, it did wonders for my mental health. And I was just wondering, is do you feel that as well when you work out? Do you feel like it does, you know, help you as like a kind of gateway to, to kind of, you know, work out your negative stress? Like 100%. I can't even put into words. I've always been in the sport but I was never one that could like really get into the gym I obviously yeah. played football and I'm a goalkeeper so it's not like I need to do loads of running or so I've never been I've always had a bit of puppy fat um and then just the last couple of years um I've kind of got probably at my heaviest I've been I'm not obese overweight but I'm I'm, I'm overweight and I'm not happy with the way my body looks so I, I, I think it's not just like I mean obviously the the endorphins and the the high you get when you're working out is good, but more than anything for me, it's like being like constructive and looking at right. I want my body to change. I want to get stronger and fitter. So this is my goal three months down the line. So it's like you're constantly chipping away at that goal, as and then combining that with like the you know the the endorphins you get from the working out. Like for example, yesterday I had had a a couple of drinks. I've, I've went on to the gin. Actually, I've started drinking gin because I realised that the beer was just going straight to my belly. Yeah. And I was, put, I was, I was putting on football tops. I was going. They were fitting me three weeks ago. What's going on? <laughs> um, so I thought, right, one of my mates, he, he, the weight flew off him, and he's still drinking. Like we do our Zoom calls and stuff, and he's still drinking. But he's went on the gin. Um, and I thought, right, I'll, I'll drink the gin. So I had a few gins on on uh, on Friday night, and woke up a little bit delicate on <laughs> yesterday morning and I thought right I still Sunday's the only day that I've been taking off exercising lately so I thought right I need to work out today I want to train biceps and back so I'll try and get that done so I, I fired my, my can of Monster Ultra into me and a, and a protein bar I thought right I'm feeling horrendous but I'll try and give it a go and my anxiety and like I mentioned the derealization um, that's my biggest thing especially when I'm hungover I get the derealization horrendously and that leads to really bad panic attacks and yeah. I'm just like I, I don't think I can do this um, and I'm thinking, oh my God, this day is dragging and I'm really like, I'm sweating and I'm, my, my heart rate's going and my, my breath, I'm really inside my own head. I'm like, oh my God, this is this is not good. Literally within probably 15, 20 minutes of my workout, I just took the time to pause and I actually feel normal again. Yeah. And then I finished my workout and I was just fully energy, completely fully energy. I feel like the hangover completely went away. The anxiety had just not, I wouldn't say disappeared, but back to a level where I can still continued my day-to-day where it was like that is it was like scary before like it was proper freaking me out and it's just yeah. crazy how that right get a little bit I've only started drinking caffeine again lately because I took came off caffeine um get my caffeine into me get a protein bar I thought right well go and focus your mind on something here and I think that's it it's like you're focusing your mind because it's not like I hate running so I couldn't go for a run so I thought right I'll focus my mind on doing some weights because I love weight training yeah. And within within like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you're like, I feel amazing. Yeah. And it's because you've took your time to to focus your mind. And it's it, part of the reason why I was really wanting to come on the podcast was because I feel like it's such a good platform to 
share the things that have helped me to overcome this. Like for in 2016, 2015, end of 2015, end of 2016 was like that that year. So the last six months and the first six months were like, there was a period where I didn't leave the house for two months, I think. The only time I left the house was to go to CBT once a week yeah. on a Wednesday. Um, and that was it because I couldn't physically bring myself to leave the house because I was that anxious and that, like, that kind of, uh, I think it's pronounced agoraphobia or agoraphobia, where yeah. you have a fear of having panic attacks in public, which is something that I suffer from quite badly. Um, and, like, to go from where I was then to getting a uni degree and because that year I obviously didn't come to Scotland at all for the football. Like I was just like so anxious. I couldn't do anything. Quite fortunate probably because that was Ronnie's last season and that was an absolute shit show at times. So <laughs> um, that, that was, that was fine. But um, literally sure. from like the, the, the July, I wasn't leaving the house like at all. Wouldn't see my friends, would do nothing, like no exercise, nothing. But funny, I actually lost weight because I couldn't eat because I was that anxious. I, I was like, I had no appetite. Yeah. Then fast forward a couple, a couple of weeks. I went on holiday with my family. We went to Barcelona, and that was the that car journey from Belfast to Dublin to get our flight. I don't know how many times I said to my dad, "I was like, listen, you need to turn back here. Just leave me. I'm just gonna stay here because I can't face like going out. Like I'm too anxious." And he said, "You're fine. You're fine." So we got down to the airport, and I and went on the holiday, and it was like life changing because I just was able to fight through it. I was yeah. like able to have that like I had read um I think I read Daniel Bryan the wrestler I read his book um and it's the first that I'd read and I read it in like three days or something like I flew through it, it was I don't know how many pages there's like 350 pages and I read the full book in three days just sitting with a beer and just watching uh, or reading the book and that was the first time that I'd actually been able to focus my mind yeah. on something because I didn't know what because it was so new to the whole anxiety thing I didn't know what tips or things to do to take my mind off it and going on that holiday and being able to focus my mind on different things I then came back and within like a month I'm in uni doing lectures out of the house every day Yeah, and I'm back playing football and I'm back exercising and it's like how you can just twit just by putting your mind to something just like being able to twist it around and having like that support group as well yeah. where you can bring yourself out of that hole but think, um no go go ahead um you were saying about daniel bryan um i just wanted to make the quick point that i think if you if you're looking for someone to be inspired by or you know you're you know you're looking for inspiration i, I would say look at you know what he went through um yeah. you know he he thought his career was over um and because he had a, an injury and it's like if someone can fight back from having a career ending injury to getting back to where they want to be. I mean, that that's inspiration personified, in my opinion. So I just wanted to make that quick point. Sorry to interrupt. In my, in, in my like, in, in that, like, last six months of 2015 and the first six of 2016, yeah. I would genuinely say, and I know, like, I was, what, uh, 18, 19 at the time, like, I genuinely think wrestling saved my life for the simple fact that it was like every week I had that something to take my mind off how I was feeling. Like obviously yeah. I would, I would, I was still obviously the the, the Celtic um was there, but I wasn't able to, to come to games. Like I wasn't coming to games and stuff because I was in that bad a place. And the one thing that saved me was the wrestling because it was like 
I'd, I'd, I'd like wrestling when I was probably like 10, 11, 12. And then I'd, as everyone does, they kind of fall out of it. And yeah. then I got back, I got back into it again. And just like watching the show and like these characters and the, the art form and the craft and the lights and the music, it was like, it was my ever present every week. And I'm thinking to myself, I want to get out of this like anxious phase and I want to give, have a go at trying to train to be a wrestler. Yeah. Um, which as of yeah, I've not got round to, but it's something that I'd kind of, it's for that year, I was like Indian heavy. And then the past couple of years, I've been not, because obviously reunion stuff and working, yeah. I couldn't stay up until four o'clock every Monday night to watch Raw or stay up for pay-per-views, but I still would watch them like the day after or even go on Twitter and see what's happening. But yeah. recently, um, which is like, it's just, I don't know if it's coincidental or it's just my go-to when I'm feeling down. Wrestling is the thing that would pick me up. Yeah. because it's like that larger than life stage and all the people and I always like especially that year I did done two live shows in Belfast I think it was yeah. one in November the Survivor Series thing and then the WrestleMania Revenge Tour in April and it yeah. was like for three hours of my life I could sit in that arena with loads of people and have a beer and I was like I wasn't anxious but I was like it would take a lot of it away whereas I couldn't even go in a restaurant and sit for 30 minutes because I was that nervous I yeah. could sit in that arena with all those lights and it was like and especially recently since the lockdown I've, I've started really getting into it a lot more I think probably because it's the only the only like we'll say sport or sports entertainment that's still on but um, yeah I've started instead of like watching like 20 minute highlights the next day I've been like watching the full shows and it's actually a lot of it's coincided with the whole story with, with Drew McIntyre I think what that guy has overcame from getting yeah. fired to coming back for me, like looking at that, and I know a lot of my pals are gonna be saying, "Oh, but he's he's a Rangers fan." I can't like him. It's like, do you know what? That guy, <laughs> what what that guy has worked like this this when he left WWE in twenty, I think it was twenty fourteen. He got fired in twenty thirteen. Yeah, twenty fourteen. Came back home, like he wasn't in good shape. Like, yeah. he, I mean, he was in decent shape, but like he's went and he was like right. And I'm, I mind him saying, I watched the, I think it was the WWE 24 on him and, and they said, look, we hope to work with you down the road at some point when he got fired. And he said, no, you will be. And he came back yeah. and he had obviously back with ICW and um, worked on his, his physique. And it's like that guy was literally lost his dream and was yeah. had to come back to Scotland from America, the land of the free and the, the, the land of dreams. And it's like, he could easily have just been like, well, do you know what? That was a nice adventure, but that's me. I'll just stick to doing indie shows for a hundred quid a night. But yeah. He went, nah. He went, nah. When his back was against the wall, he was like, nah, this is, I'm going to get back there again. And I don't care how long it's going to take me. I remember um, the podcast he did with Chris Jericho. Um, it was in the summer of 2014 because that's when I was like into listening to, to, that's when I started listening to podcasts. And um, he was on Chris Jericho's show and they were talking about him being fired and you know what he was going to do and he he, he said and I can't quote directly but he said that you know he, he was going to go back to WWE and he was he was going to fulfill his dream um and at the time I was listening I, I, I didn't like Drew McIntyre the character uh, quite quite young um and was like I don't like him um mm-hmm. and was like I so you will you'll never do that and I was like in 2016, 2017, when you started hearing rumblings of Drew McIntyre's name again, when he was in ICW, and then when he signed to NXT, you were like, oh, shit, this guy mm. is, he's, he's literally knuckled down and yeah. and devoted his time to 
to rebuilding himself and you know it, it, fair fair dues to him for doing it because there's a lot of people that would just have been like well I've lived my dream I've worked with WWE I've worked with the top company in professional wrestling I've done it I've made my money I, could, I can just you know sit back and do do what I want to do but you know he's not he's, he's pushed on and that's you know a lot of commitment and you know I commend that I think it's incredible though like you look at he's just this lad from from her and yeah. he's now the champion the world champion in the biggest wrestling organization in the world like that's and it's not just like it's been right obviously he was what you know vince the chosen one when he came in and but then he lost that and he went away and it would have been so easy for him to to just say Do you know what i've had my chance it's gone and yeah. that for me like i think wrestling in that sense was for me was such like a positive thing in my life i know people say oh you're 22 you're gonna grow up and stop watching wrestling it's like <laughs> i i don't necessarily right we get it like you by you saying to me on twitter that wrestling's fake isn't gonna stop me watching it do you know what i'm saying it's like exactly you, you you watch game of thrones and you're big into game of thrones you do realize that that's fake do you know what i'm saying it's <laughs> like it's like right we get it's fake but we appreciate it for what it is we appreciate the art form we appreciate the the, the, the skills that these people have on the mic and the the lights and the music and the the more than anything for me, I think it's been not only a form of entertainment, but it's like been a form of inspiration for myself to yeah. really to really knuckle down in the gym as well. Like every day I could be sitting doing my workout and thinking, right, I feel horrible. And I'm not really feeling this. I just think to myself, right, you but what if you want to look like those guys? And what if like hypothetically one day that you do want to get try your hand at wrestling training? Because I do plan on at some point I want to give it a go because I would kick myself if I didn't. I yeah, think you do need to try these things, and if it's if it's too hard or I just don't like it, at least you can say, right, I tried. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. But it's like I think about it's such a good thing for people. Now I don't necessarily agree with everything that the WWE does because I think the way they treat their employees is yeah. leaves a lot to be admired at times. But um, it's the whole like, Saudi Arabia thing leaves a, oh, a sour taste yeah, in my mouth. It's, it's definitely. A lot of it, I mean, I think with Vince, I mean, the way that they, they fire people and the Aye. whole situation with, again, I get into another person that I'm, I would, you know what, growing up, I was like, I like these guys, I love these characters. I hated Edge and Umaga because it was like, these are horrible heels. Yeah. And growing up, I loved, I loved Triple H and I loved John Cena and I loved Batista and I loved these guys. But, yeah. And it was like, you loved because they were large in life. But see now, it's like, it's more, I appreciate what they do and I, I like the wrestling and, and I love the, the lights, but it's like, for me, it, it's like a more personal touch because it's like, I'm actually inspired by these guys and what yeah. they do and their their gym regimen and their discipline. Like the likes of, for me, I hated Roman Reigns about five years ago. Yeah, Couldn't stand him. Couldn't stand him. I thought, nah, not having this guy, he gets everything handed to him. I'm not, like, obviously it wasn't like a child. It's like, I'm going to sit and boo him, but it's like, I don't like <laughs> the fact that he's literally just like, right, my guy, Seth Rollins, still is, always yeah. will be, but Roman's getting these chances, blah, blah, blah. Whereas now it's like, when you, you see like them on Instagram and their workouts, because my interest in wrestling is a lot focused around like the fitness side of it as well. And yeah. I want to get myself in, in that shape. Um, And I look at the likes of Roman Reigns and, and obviously what he's overcome with the battle with leukemia and, and that, I feel that the way that they're handling that situation at the moment, obviously the decision he took regarding WrestleMania and, and the virus, yeah, and they're like editing them out of stuff, you're kind of like, what way, is that, what way is that to treat, you know, the one of the biggest stars? Like, Yeah. 
Nah, it, oh. it's horrendous. Um, you know what you were saying there about Reigns is not like him. Like I didn't, I, I, I did like him, but I was like, oh, why does he get to win the title? Why can somebody else not win the title? And I like, get oh. that. I, it was like one of one of my friends. I'm obviously still pals him now. Me and him were the two that would have went. Um, I think in Glasgow was it Walkabout? They show the the wrestling yeah. pay per views. So back home we had a place called the Fly, um, and they would have show they would have showed the the pay per views. Uh, when they were on so we would have went there on like every once a month on the Sundays to watch them and he was like what you would call your typical Mark he hated Roman Reigns and so then I got into that of nah I don't like him blah blah but deep down I was kind of like he's that guy's pretty cool like it's like this Samoan guy with a big badass tattoo and he's an I, unbelievable shape and like yes, like it was kind of like a guilty pleasure of like right I, I don't like him but at the same time I really respect what he does yeah. but now you kind of it's like the older you get, you really do respect these guys and like the, the discipline and their craft is just it's amazing. It, it, it might sound a little bit um, dweeby, what I'm about to say here, um, but when he went on Raw and announced that he had leukemia, I, I get this big lump in my throat and I was like, mm. I was like, what? I, mean, yeah. I, I was like, Oh my god, and I started to tear up a bit, and you know people can make fun of that if they want. That's fine, but um, for me it was like, oh my god, that that, that it, it's like you, you realise that although his character as he is the the Samoan Superman, you know, it's like he might be rich, he might be great looking, he might do the best job that you know anybody would want to do in the world but he's still not indestructible to what, mm-hmm. you know, life can throw at you. And I, I admit, it was just one of the most, I've only ever, you know, felt emotional at, re- at two points in wrestling, and it was that, and it's when Edge retired as well. And it's like the only two times I've, I've realised, like, it, it's like these guys are, are larger than life, but they're not, they're just the same as everybody. At the end of the day, they're, they're still human beings at the end of the day. The, I mean, you can, like, I look at it two ways. Like, it's kind of like, right, you think that these are these, like, they're this larger-than-life characters and they're indestructible, and you hear that, and that's one of those moments where you're like, oh, my God, like, what? And you, you go and you tell everyone, even people that aren't interested in wrestling, you're like, you like everyone knows who Roman Reigns is, whether they like wrestling or not. And you're yeah. kind of like, oh, my God, like, that is crazy. But at the same, the same time, when you look at, like, not really so much incidents like that, but you kind of have a more human aspect to them. It's like, I can achieve what they're doing. And yeah. if I apply myself and push myself, I could get to that stage. And it's like, if you use it in that aspect, that's where I think that just tying things back in with mental health, I think that things like wrestling and that are so good for people that yeah. struggle because you can say to yourself, listen, I want to, eat better and exercise more and try and attain that because it's yeah. not impossible nothing's impossible if you put your mind to it and i want to try and, and attain that but going back to your whole the the, the thing about the reins and you tearing up i've only i think i've only ever cried once at wrestling it was when daniel bryan retired that like oh, i don't know that yeah. that just that threw me like because i'm not i'm not i'm not a crier at all but that i don't i think it was like the, the human aspect to it again i was like oh my yeah. god this is real like this is and I remember, obviously, when Bray's wife came out and, like, they were both crying. I don't, I don't know where I came from, but it's like, yeah, I, I get wrestling's not real and I get this and I get that, but 
it's like it's like watching a TV show and a character that you're so invested in that you almost know them. Yeah. And you get that real emotional attachment. That's what I feel that wrestling's like. And it's just <laughs> it's it's good it's good at the same time because you can it's not like you can't go and watch Peaky Blinders live in the SSE. Yeah, but exactly. you can go on you can go and watch wrestling. And I think that's where it like it has that that mix between a sporty aspect, but also like that real emotional pull of yeah. entertainment as well. So But when you were saying about uh going to the SSE, uh, the first show I went to was in November twenty seventeen and it's the first show I'd been to like ever. And it was like, Oh my this is weird and I was the way I was sitting, it was like I was the only adult not there with a kid, and I was like, mm. "Oh my god!" Right, okay, but I got immersed in the show, and it was great. And at the end of it, like I didn't expect Triple H to come out and be um, with Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I, it was just one of the best shows that you know I, that I'd ever seen, but also it was the best that I'd ever been to. Um, you know, so. It, it just as it's it's an utterly amazing thing that, that we get wrapped up in, and although I don't agree with a lot of the the way that the company goes, sometimes um, it, it does it can motivate you and it can inspire you, which is you know which is a great thing. It's 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 definitely taught me like never judge someone or like look down on someone because of what they're interested in. You yeah. Know, regardless of you know if you're a, a a big guy or whatever, it's like everyone has their different interests that will a keep them you know, mentally in a good place and may give them that, I wouldn't say false hope, but say the kind of like a dream that you can attain, you know, something, you know, if someone is into, I don't know, say, because it's very like say taboo for like a boy to be into to, like drama or acting, um, yeah. they, they kind of get, you know, the, 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 the piss taken out of them, but I wouldn't ever knock someone because I know that from my own personal, you know, experience, like watching wrestling is my guilty pleasure. Because yeah. I know that it motivates me and it keeps me mentally in a good place, and I would never knock someone for doing something constructive that is going to better them. Yeah, you know what I mean, like if 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 they use that as a way to keep them mentally in a good place and say, right, one day I want to be able to act in such and such. Good on you! Like that's that's amazing that you have that motivation within yourself that you want to do that. Yeah. There's so many people out there that haven't found like that one thing that can just spark their day. Like you could be having a bad day and saying, do you know what? I'll go and do a workout here and try and get myself in good shape. And just remember the people that have, you know, people, everyone starts where you're starting and it's not, you know, it, it isn't unattainable that you could get to that place one day. Yeah. But um, it's just, I think it, it, you can never knock someone for, for never knock someone for dreaming. Never yeah. knock someone for dreaming because it's, Every we all need a dream. When you know, when I was at school, I was pretty. Yeah, I was pretty good at school, um, primary school and secondary school. But when I was at, I started secondary school, it wasn't the best time of my life. Um, which I'll talk a lot more of in a in a future episode. Um, but I I was a pretty big dreamer back in like first uh, first year, and um, I always remember it because it always inspired me. Um. Even though it was a negative experience, it was. Um, I get told by a teacher that I would not like what I wanted to be and what I wanted, like what I dreamed of doing. I would never do it, and I was like, you know, he said that I was a failure and I'd never amount to anything. And it goes back to that mental health thing because it's like people can be horrible to you, but it's how you choose to interpret their words. He was 
saying that to be horrible because mm-hmm. the type of person he is. But I took those words and I carried them with me and I'm like, well, I'm not going to prove you right. In fact, I'm going to make you eat your words and I'm going to prove you wrong. And, and that's the mindset that I, I think you have to have when you have a dream is that people are going to tell you you're not going to be able to do it. And, you know, sometimes you might not be able to do something, but you can always say, well, at least I've given it a go and there's not many who would do it. Because um, I went, my, I was, I'm meant to be in America just now studying and I got out there. I, I went out last August and I lasted five days and I was like, nah. No, for me, uh, I can't do it. I was looking forward to doing it, don't get me wrong, but I couldn't do it because of, you know, missing my family and having that, like, realising how much, um, like, how big a part of their life they were for you. But when I came back, people would say, oh, you didn't do it, or, and they would take the piss, and that's fine, people are entitled to do that. But it's like, I've done something you would never have the balls to do, and that that's that's my attitude to that. Um. And I think that's what people should do. Don't care what people say. Just use their words in yep. a positive way. Um, so that, that that's just that's how I, I do things. Um, sorry that's chilled off a wee bit there. No, I think for me as well, I um I relate to that because I've I've I'd always talked this big talk about oh as soon as I finish uni I'm moving to Scotland, and it yeah. was all it was I mean it was always Celtic based because I've I've made quite a lot of pals through the football anyway so. All right, I'll move to Glasgow, get myself a flat, get myself a job. And then I met my missus um, at a game. Well, we met, we actually met over Twitter. Um, yeah. And then we met up before a game. And then it became quite real. It was always just a pipe dream. And then July 2019 was when I was moving here. And it was the closer, it, like the months out, I thought, right, this is amazing going to be able to live together blah 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 and then the closer it got it was like right I'm actually shitting myself because I need to go and be an adult and move away from my family and grow up and the closer it got I was like right and I just I got to the point where it was like, I wasn't like not wanting to do it but I was like so like so nervous about it and I just remember my dad saying listen it's not like you're moving to the other side of the world just give it a go there's no there's no harm in, in trying like if you don't try it you will kick yourself yeah. And it's just about, listen, if you have a pipe dream and you want to try and achieve it, just give it a go because you never know what will happen. Like fast forward, us nearly a year on yeah. and we're living together. Obviously, it's a bit of a dull situation at the moment because mm-hmm. ideally we would like to be saving up at the moment to, to get a flat. But um, just the amount of friends I've made, like I'm playing football. We live up in Stirling, so I'm playing football in the, the Stirling Amateur League and I've met so many pals through that. Yeah. I've got pals on the supporters bus up here. And it's just like, I think actually lately I've started, because you kind of go through phases of it, but I've, I think because I've not been home, I've not seen my family in nearly three months because of this whole situation. Yeah. And I just feel, I don't feel like this is like, just like, I feel like this is home now. I know yeah. the Belfast, the Belfast is always going to be my favorite place, but this is home now. And I would have very easily, tried to put it off and say, listen, I'll maybe work for a couple of months in Belfast and then, then I'll move over. But it was my dad saying, listen, you got to give it a go. You can't delay things. Just do it. Yeah. If it doesn't work, you can come home. Like you'll figure something out. It's never the end of the world. Like there's always a way. And mm-hmm. it's the best thing I've done moving. I know I've, I've, I mean, I've not, it's been difficult because obviously I've had two jobs, lost one job. And then I've pretty much lost the second one. I know that, 
more than likely I'm going to be going back. But for this period at the moment, I'm, I'm technically out of work. So, yeah. But it would have been very easy for me to, to throw in the towel. Um, but it's, it's just about having that mental that mental fortitude to, to make the best out of every situation. And yeah. I think that for me, like the, the different things that I've used to help, you know, the likes of podcasts, music, yeah. even just if you're feeling down, just going for a walk putting the music in going for a walk for 10 15 minutes like it makes a world of difference it makes a complete world of difference like because it's so easy to, to feel isolated and get inside your own head and it's about nipping it in the bud before it gets before it goes too far yeah um but yeah just um just to finish off i think it'd be good to finish off on kind of like a, a really positive note what advice would you give to someone that said that they they were feeling down and they needed a way to escape. What advice would you would you give to them? I think f- the first experience of it is going to be scary, like for everyone. It it's not that I don't want to say it gets easier as you go on, but I think it maybe does because you you've had the the had you've had the experience of dealing with the first hurdle because the first hurdle is always the highest and always the toughest. And as soon as you get through that first one, you need to be proud of yourself. Yeah. But I think it's it's about having belief in yourself. And more than anything, just reaching out to someone. I think it, there's literally no shame in messaging one of your pals and saying, listen, I'm really struggling with anxiety or I'm really struggling with depression. Can we have a chat or can we meet up? The best uh, I, the best thing to do is stay connected with people because I just stopped talking to everyone because I yeah. didn't know how they would react and I felt like I was a burden. You're never going to be a burden. You're not a burden. As simple as that, everyone struggles. And no matter how you feel, like, you get inside your own head and think, right, I don't want to talk about my problems because I don't want people thinking I'm mad or thinking I'm going to have to worry them or be a burden. Like, you're not at all. And you should not think that way because everyone struggles. I know not everyone's as open about it, but everyone struggles. The reason I like to be open about it is because I wish that I had someone there to tell me these things when I was first going through it. That it's not going to last forever. And, it like, it kills me seeing, like, people thinking that their only option is that to take their own life because i've like i've been there i'm sure you can probably relate to this well i've been there when i thought nah this isn't maybe life's just not for me like maybe just some people aren't just cut out cut out for this and it would be better if i just if i just went away and it would take so many problems away from people yeah and realizing that that's not the case like if i took my own life not only would like my girlfriend, my mum and dad and my grand and brother, they'd be heartbreaking. But like your circle of friends and your their families and your girlfriend's family and like there's so many people that care about you that you don't realise. Yeah. And it's I just wish that we could all show it a bit more, show our appreciation for people more. Uh-huh. Um but in terms of like in terms of just like straight up like things that will help, eating healthy is like by far and away probably the best thing i've noticed like if i'm eating horrible foods i, I get inside my head so quickly thinking right, i'm fat and i feel depressed because i'm minging yeah eating clean foods and eating and even just doing an hour of exercise a day even if it's just like a brisk walk with your headphones in you have achieved something in that day and that automatically makes you feel better if you make make a list more than anything i think people with depression and anxiety you need a routine to help you so set out um like a plan, like a, a diary, buy a diary, set yourself a plan of right, get up, make your bed, have your breakfast, um, 
have a shower, do 30 minutes of exercise. And as you tick off those things, you're thinking, right, well, I'm not like worthless or I'm not a horrible human with no no meaning because I'm able to do all these tasks. Like I'm completing these tasks, set out to to call your friend, read a chapter of a book, do these things. Because as you tick those off your list, you're like, right, I'm achieving something here. And you get that real sense of like pride. Yeah. Um, one thing I know that's helped me, I've, I've been reading a book called The Chimp Paradox, um, and that's unbelievable, like in terms of being able to control your brain into like when the negative thoughts come into your brain, just, you know, just saying to yourself, right, listen, this isn't me. This is there. There's what they call the chimp. The chimp is inside your brain and it's telling you to be negative and it's telling you to be horrible. Overpower that chimp by saying, listen. I have things I want to achieve in life and this horrible illness of depression or anxiety has, has came in and is trying to put those things on hold, but it's not, it's not a life sentence. Yeah. It never will be a life sentence. It's just a barrier that is going to make you stronger. And by God, it does like coming, being now in a place where I have had a lot worse anxiety than I have now. I mean, I still get it, but it's to the point where before I couldn't leave the house, like in hindsight, you think how strong those situations make you like dealing with for example, losing your job or, um, you know, an illness in the family, or it's like you you get a level of mental strength that you didn't actually know was possible. Yeah. And no. I never thought, like, I, I never thought that I would be able to be this strong and being able to help people. And more than anything, just think to yourself that when you do overcome this and, you know, you seek, if you, you know, you want to go to the doctor and get, you know, medical help and do things like CBT, mindfulness, uh, breathing exercises and yoga and exercise and all this kind of stuff and reaching out to your pals and socializing like once you get through that barrier think yeah. that right someone has helped you right so you're feeling in a better place you can now help 10 people right to overcome their issues those 10 people when they overcome their issues can then help a further 10 people and it's the more that you're open about things the more that you can provide tips to people and be open and be like, listen, there's no shame in having an anxiety or a depression or an addiction issue. There's not, because we're all human. We all suffer from real life things. It's about saying, right, there's no big deal. That's life. Life is never just all roses and rainbows and life. Life sucks a lot of the time, but it's about realizing that you're made of, of tough, tough steel and you will you know, be able to fight through this because listen, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. And there's never ever going to be a day where the, the, it's the end because there, there's always a brighter day, 100%. And just know that people care about you. Like everyone, everyone has at least one person in their life that, that will care about them. And as much as you may think, right, I feel meaningless. Like there are people out there that love you and are willing to give everything to help you. And it's just about not being ashamed of reaching out and just letting letting yourself you know i know people have pride and say oh, i don't want to admit it but it's like it it, it takes it takes a tough man or a tough woman to to battle with depression or anxiety but it takes an even tougher one to be honest and open up about it yeah put, put themselves out there for people to say oh you're just weak you're this you're that no you're not weak you're you're very very strong like best like you know what the first task your day you accomplish is by getting out of your bed. If you get yourself out of your bed and do your best to go about your day, like you've, you've already accomplished a big task. You're lucky that like 
we we take i don't know how many breaths in a day every single breath you take you just take it for granted but think about there's especially during this time like there's people out there that are literally taking their last breath in their life and that's them they're gone they can't they can't dream big they can't go and have a pint down the pub with their pals they can't go and and start up that business that they wanted to start up just remember that how fortunate you are to have what you have and just have a little faith that it'll get better because it will get better it will get better you've hit the nail right on the head there um you know, i don't think there's anything i could you know say to you know to to level exactly what you've said you know i, I think you've just hit the nail 100 percent on the head um I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast and opening up and telling your story because from experience, it's hard to to do that, especially to come on like a public forum such as a podcast to, to tell people how you feel. Um, so, I, you know, really, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that because I, I appreciate it so much. Um, so no, once again, a massive thanks. Um, I, I, appreciate the, I appreciate the opportunity to come on. I mean, I what I want to achieve by opening up is that, I mean, for me, I would love to work with a group of people to help them through their, like their mental health journey, because I don't want mine to just be right. I suffer with anxiety and that's it. I just get all my life. Like I want to help people to, to, to give people the help that I didn't have at the very start, because everyone, like the quicker that you can have, you know, a rallying group of pals or even just someone to just say, listen I'm not feeling great can we can we have a quick chat like that is what I believe and especially like through a thing such as a podcast it's perfect for people because it makes them think right I've had for example derealization or panic attacks or really low points and circumstantial stuff and I'm not the only one because at times you do feel like you're the only one yeah and I just like I say like if anyone you know has me on social media that listen if you feel horrible or you're feeling you're having a bad day just message me Obviously, Stefan, you're probably the same. It's just, um, just don't have shame in messaging someone and just admitting it because we all we all suffer, and it's been an absolute pleasure being able to to open up and talk about my journey and and the the different techniques that I've used to be able to to get myself to where I am now. No, well, mate, honestly, once again, um, thanks very much. If you want to quickly shout out your social media, so it's, uh, you know, if anybody's struggling and get in contact with you, you can do that. So it's I've, uh, Instagram at Connor Carberry, Facebook just Connor Carberry, and I'm not one for using Snapchat at all, but I do I do use TikTok. So if you look up Connor Carberry on TikTok, you'll probably find me there, me making an arse of myself with a drink of me. So. <laughs> Um, just if, if you want a quick laugh <laughs> I'm going to do that now yeah. <laughs> that was De Stefano Talks episode number 5 with Connor Carberry I want to say a massive thank you to Connor for coming on and discussing his story and giving a very personal and in-depth account about how he battles with mental health. During the podcast, Connor gave us techniques about how he manages to deal with mental health and I hope that's something that anyone listening to this can take away from it, is that there are ways to combat how you're feeling, there are ways to take your mind off of how you're feeling. It's not easy, it is hard, but as Connor was able to tell us, 
there are ways that you can you know deal with having anxiety or depression or whatever other mental health issue that, that you suffer with there are ways to deal with it and there is always a light at the end of the tunnel you know it was a very brave and courageous thing for Connor to come on and tell his story so as I say I can't thank him enough for that just before I go there's something that I just want I want to say and I want to get out there for far too long mental health is something that in society we've not dealt well with and that's something that has to change yes our attitudes towards mental health are progressing and things are changing and more people are speaking out but for far too long there was an attitude displayed by people that if you had mental health you were making it up you were attention seeking you were overreacting or you were a snowflake and especially if you were a man that you weren't being man enough and you had to man up yeah that's a tweet i saw on twitter from a public figure saying that it, people with mental health had to man up it's utterly ridiculous it's 2020 and people need to start realizing that mental health does not discriminate if you're a man a woman a child black you're white you're you're gay straight it, it genuinely doesn't matter if you mental health just will not discriminate and that's what people need to understand it's not about overreacting it's not about people not being able to man up or being snowflakes it's something that will take its toll on anyone and that cannot be underlooked and i can't stress this enough if you are struggling out there and you you are feeling really low you're at the lowest point in your life seek help speak out talk to someone give someone a phone i said that it was a very brave and courageous thing for Connor to come out and speak about if you are in a similar position and you want to come on and discuss you know your battle with mental health or just in general if you have a story that you want to come on and tell then feel free to give me a message on instagram my instagram is at mr stefan carlin i am also on twitter at mr stefan carlin my dms are open there so if you ever need a chat or anything my dms are open um and if you want to get in touch about uh, coming on the podcast then my dms are open for that as well if you don't use social media you can email me my email address is daystefanotalks at outlook.com if you want to come on the podcast then that's a way for you to message me i have been stefan carlin this has been daystefanotalks and until next time i'll see you later